1: Good evening, welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow, and I'm
2: Pete Coleman from the Bohemican podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Robert Flood,
1: also known as Robertus de Fluctibus, if you will.
2: I will, uh, and I he won't. lived. Wait, say that one again. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get out of the gate strong.
1: <laughs> de Fluctibus. He lived from 1574 to 1637. So again, this is classic golden age alchemy we're talking about the same time as kepler Rudolf ii and john d edward kelly that lot right he's a good example of a renaissance christian neoplatonist let that sink in for a second he liked to compare plato with moses and mention hermes a lot and say how right he was because uh flood said that hermes was inspired by moses's writings which is an interesting take on
2: uh, hermeticism. Flood was a prominent English uh, Paracelsian uh, physician. He is remembered as an astrologer and a cosmologist, mathematician, cabalist, and Rosicrucian apologist. Flood is best known for his compilations in occult philosophy. He had a, a celebrated exchange of views with Johannes Kepler concerning the scientific and hermetic approaches to knowledge.
1: He was born at Millgate, house in Bearstead, Kent and his father was Sir Thomas Flood and uh, he was a high-ranking government official. Uh, he was basically Queen Elizabeth's the, uh, Queen Elizabeth the first treasurer for war in Europe and also a member of parliament. So, uh, well-connected know, good, guy. Yeah, well-connected. Uh, he entered St. John's College in Oxford in 1591 and graduated BA in 1597 and
2: MA in 1598. After Oxford, Travis, he took off for the European mainland, and between 1598 and 1604, Flood studied medicine, chemistry, hermeticism. His itinerary is not really known in full detail. However, his own account, he spent the winter in the Pyrenees studying theurgy with the Jesuits. Which we we've done a show on now,
1: so I know I know we've talked about theurgy before, but on, on its own podcast. But again, it's a sort of a magic that included rituals, like but like everyday things like prayer and fasting, you know, and the, and the intent is to bring one closer to God. So the desired result could be doing something that can be considered miracles. Um, that also touches on thaumaturgy, but but yeah, it's it's basically. Even in a Neoplatonic son- sense, it could be meditating to com- contemplate God. You could define it as magic. Not everybody does. Um,
2: everyday Christians do theurgy, so probably not magic in that sense. Um, it it kind of overlaps, Travis, a little bit of the Neoplatonic con- concepts and uh, several other alchemists' uh, concepts of making gold.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like Neoplatonists, we mention this often, but you know they might contemplate God while they're in the lab, right? And that's the only way to
2: have transmutation or to do some of these things. Yeah, that's what they believed, yeah.
1: So he still wasn't done studying. On his return to England, uh, Flood entered Christchurch, which is also in Oxford, in 1605, 1605, and he graduated MB and
2: M.D., so a man of letters, literally a man of letters. So after that, he, he moved to London, settling in a French church street and making repeated attempts to enter the College of Physicians. Flood encountered some problems, however, with the college examiners, both because of his unconcealed contempt for traditional medis- medical authorities and because of his attitude. You so he, mentioned, did have a, he had an issue with that. Yeah,
1: you mentioned he's a Paracelsian physician. Sound familiar?
2: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: They have attitude issues and they don't agree with it like anybody else. Um, at least that's my take on it. I don't know but but finally, after six failures, he was finally admitted in 1609 and subsequently, both his career and his standing in the college took a turn very much for the better. He was on good terms with Sir William Patty, who was a royal physician. Flood was one of the first to support in print the theory of the circulation of the blood of the college's William Harvey, so this is kind of an interesting medical landmark here. And to what extent flood may have actually influenced Harvey is still debated. But in the context that Harvey's discovery is hard to date precisely, so, you know, it's hard to say who who came up with what first. But this term circulation was certainly ambiguous at that time. So if he meant blood circulation the same way we do, hard to say.
2: It's also uh, good to point out here that he also disagreed with Aristotle and Galen and agrees more with Paracelsus and Neoplatonists. Yeah, if you talk about the history of medicine, you got it. There's kind of two sides of the track there. So, he he's on the peristalsis side. Looking at his works, Flood's works were mainly controversial. In succession, he defended Rosicrucians against Andres Labavius, uh, uh debated with Kepler, argued against French natural philosophers, including Gassendi, and engaged in the discussion of the weapon solve.
1: Yeah, we'll mention weapon solve later, but it's it's basically basically a kind of sympathetic magic. So if, if you're injured by, say, a particular sword, you use the weapon salve on that sword, and then your wound will be healed. So this is, yeah, sympathetic magic. Did that, interesting. Work? Did that work? Well, interesting that a physician <laughs> would support this. That's, yeah, that's I, why I, I put that in there. I think that would there.
2: happen. That, that sounds like witchcraft to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's magic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, he also studied the interrelationship between the, between the microcosm and the macrocosm. Remember hermeticism?
1: Yeah. Now, the Rosicrucian tie is pretty interesting. So, he was almost certainly not a Rosicrucian, but it's often mistakenly, possibly thought that he was because he defended them against, uh, like you mentioned, this Labavius guy. And Labavius basically s- stated that the Rosicrucians indulged in heresy, diabolical magic, sedition. Not a fan. Yeah. Many <laughs> of the. You might still hear that kind of thing today, but Flood, you know, defended them against that. So. I'll just point out that that there are enough Rosicrucian alchemists out there to do a show on them. Um, we also talked about, yeah, we, we mentioned John Dee and um, John Dee's influence on Ro- Rosicrucianism. Actually, uh, like in in John Dee's kind of philosophy. So if if we do a show on them, we'll at least wait until the John Dee episode and. Um, yeah, it, it might be a while, but but there is enough of a connection between Rosicrucianism and alchemy that uh, it,
2: it could warrant a show one of these days. Johannes Kepler criticized Flood's theory of cosmic harmony in an appendix to his harmonic mundi. Uh, in Flood's reply to Kepler, Flood argued from a Platonist viewpoint uh, that he claims that the hermetic or chemical approach, using the air quotes there, is deeper than the mathematical. In 1622, the reply to Kepler's Mathematicists uh, in, in 1622, was uh, actually published. Flood was well-read in the tradition coming through Francisco Giorgi, who was the Christian Kabbalist, and he may get uh, his own episode one of these days on our on our podcast.
1: Yeah, kind of an interesting, interesting Renaissance Christian Kabbalist guy. Flood also wrote against the tillage of light of Patrick Scott, and Scott basically made huge claims against hermetic alchemy, and Flood defended alchemy against the criticisms of Scott, who took it to be merely allegorical? So this work, *The Truth's Golden Harrow*, remained a manuscript. So in 1630, Flood proposed many perpetual motion machines. People were trying to patent variations of these machines in the up, up until the 1870s. So for you know, a good 250 years, um, Flood's machine worked this uh, by kind of like water recir- recirculation method using a water wheel and an Archimedean screw. So the Archimedean screw is like a pump. And then the water wheel, so it would would run the screw. So seems like a good idea for a perpetual motion machine. Yeah, it doesn't really work. So basically, the the water device, uh, the water pump would pump
2: water back into its own tank, right? Yeah, um, doesn't work. I know in previous episodes, uh, Travis, we talked about theosophy, and, and really it kind of gives a, a focus here, too, to that. He gives examples from the Bible, and then uh, basically says, nothing can be done or learned without God's blessing. So he does make that connection back to the church uh, through his through his uh, his, his uh, learned background. He also yeah. says pagan philosophers stole their stuff from the philosopher Moses. But the philosophers got them wrong, uh, which is... Why Aristotle was wrong, and then he re- de- redefines the the elements in terms of darkness, water, and light. So he's going against the Godfather, so to speak, yeah. in, in saying that that uh, that um, Aristotle had it all uh, uh, misinterpreted. Yeah, that, so he, that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, uh, a lot of hubris in that. He was he was really
1: adamant on the on the point that he said that Plato read Moses, um, Hermes Trismegistus read Moses. And Aristotle just fed off of those influences, so he was a hack. But but yeah, and <laughs> really, and then, and then they made some mistakes. <laughs> For instance, he compares Aristotle's first matter to Do's, Moses's dark abyss. So he he tries to create some connections there, and. Um,
2: it may a little bit of a stretch there. I, I, you know, sometimes it's it might be a little easier well, to make those biblical connections, but sometimes that's yeah. A but how
1: you know that, that that's why it's so interesting at the beginning when you mentioned he's a he's a Christian Neoplatonist because Neoplatonists were trying to defend paganism against this newfound religion called uh, Christianity, and now a thousand years later you have Christian Neoplatonists. So there there was a. Uh yeah, it's just kind of an
2: interesting quirk in history that depends who's running the show at the time I guess, right?
1: Well, yeah. even yeah, cuz Neoplatonists were pagan, but then there there came a point when um they started having Christian students and would teach the logic of Aristotle and and you know some of the some of the more things that everybody can agree on to the Christian students. But then if you made it to the higher levels of these philosophy schools, then you would learn about Aristotle's, like, metaphysics and that kind of thing. Um, but then these Christian students that learned about Aristotle's logic, when they, they would eventually become the teachers, and then Christianity took over Aristotle. It's an interesting side point. But anyways, yeah, not a discussion for this show. He also talks about the meaning of planets and what they're responsible for, which is, you know, it, it, like you said, the microcosm and the, and the macrocosm. So he kind of tried to put this into a perspective for the Renaissance times. And then we mentioned this weapon solve. So he also had some, some uh, like he clearly believed in some aspects of sympathetic magic. So kind of an interesting character to look at that all the way from, in one guy we have clearly a um, Christian person trying to tie Moses to the ancient ancient Greek philosophers, at the same time a Neoplatonist, at the same time a Hermeticist, at the same time a Paracelsian. Really kind of interesting guy. That was a fun one to research and take a look at, and um, thank you very much for listening. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to the History of Alchemy podcast with Travis Dow and Pete Coleman. For more information about this episode, other episodes, and other information about alchemy, alchemists, and related subjects, visit historyofalchemy.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, review, and don't forget to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter at Alchemy Podcast. Tune in to our sister podcast all about the Czech Republic, Bohemicon, which is also available on iTunes or on bohemikon.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy podcast, thank you for listening.